Jeff Ogilvy survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leishman to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here is Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. Hello and welcome to Inside the Ropes, episode number 102. There's been a coup. There has been a coup. I'm Mark Hayes. I've deposed Andy Marr. He's still here under sufferance, but he's he's punching on. G'day, Murray. Yeah, this happened. Oh, it's happened because I said that you, you can host it today. That's how it happened. But we're in very good hands, very, very safe hands. Are we? I think so. Yeah, my word, we are. So very, you, you've always driven a very steady ship. It'll be like Gary Ayres, you are. Good oh. driver in heavy traffic, and there's a bit of traffic to negotiate a, your way through There's today. a fair bit going on today. <laughs> there is. To which we welcome um, the, the guru from last week who held it all together, Martin Blake. Well played. Hey, Hazy. Oh. We call you the knife man, do we? I wouldn't say that. The one guest he teed up last week... <laughs> Uh, Slept yeah. through our phone call. He couldn't <laughs> even get the bike to answer his phone. Well, no, he's 100 well, years Reggie. old. Reggie. Give him a break. No, well, of course, but I mean, you well, know. We've got him this week, Andy. Good. Are you Good. sure, Blakey? We've absolutely got him because I've recorded uh. it already. <laughs> <laughs> to, I was just saying to Andy before, uh, I sat down with him, with Reg Ballard, who's still playing three times a week at 100 years oh, of old. Oh, what a story. And the first thing he said to me is, do you want a beer? <laughs> There's a secret to the success, mate. We should have, could be it. You know, that could be it. hope for me, yeah. We should have got him into the studio. Now, big yeah. guest today. We've got another one later on, but the big guest right now is David Michaluzzi. Welcome. We've had you on before, but never in the studio. You've come in risking life and limb. Yeah, that's it. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, pleasure to be here. I love the pleasure's all ours, young man. <laughs> I want to hear when, whether you've had a 59 at our home course yet. We, share, <laughs> we haven't been around it together, but I keep hearing you know, 61 here and 61 there again and yeah. another 61 it's yeah it's getting close it's not that easy of course david it's quite hard it's very very easy off the front <laughs> <laughs> off, the, off the blacks i've played it off the blacks a couple of times but it's 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 a completely different golf course We're this is peninsula kingswood for those who haven't um, tuned in here and uh andy and mika are both members down there andy i went and played with mika a couple of months ago off the right royal handicap of 11 for the day my daily handicap and uh, young Mr. Michaluzzi here had to spot me 19 shots. Nice. <laughs> 19 shots plus eight, big fella. It, that's – you can't get – Outrageous. You can't get much lower than that, can you? Like, well, you, realistically. I mean, you can. You but, can. <laughs> um, but there wouldn't be many who are carrying around a handicap lower than that. I don't think so. I think my exact was like plus 6.8, which is technically plus seven. Yeah, yeah. But I think with the, the daily scratch ratings and all that, it just – because the slope rating's so high, it makes my handicap go the other way. Yeah. Where uh, like high handicappers that are twenty one, GA handicap at twenty one, they're at twenty four. So, exactly, yeah. so it goes the other. So it goes the other way, which is yeah. It's not Ash- great. Not great for me because I want to win the ball comps. Like I want to. Well, I want to get. Some, I want to get some. Hashtag not normal people problems. <laughs> well, well, we've got another guest today. Simon McDulski's going to be joining us. We have. Well, maybe 
David and Simon should just have a little off-air chat about the unfairness of the handicapping system. <laughs> Maybe they could have a tate-a-tate. We On air? Wasn't Alicia off plus seven at Port Ferry? Didn't he win? Yeah, he, he didn't so, even yeah. win a ball at Port Ferry. No, he shot 65 ago. for 36 points. That's yeah. ridiculous. Have you won anything recently in the club comp at all? Yeah, I I play. I actually played with Luke Mackey a couple of Sundays ago. On, I think it was on Easter. And I shot 63, which was 39 points. So I won the comp by five points. Nice. So that yeah, we're burying the lead. But, with, but that that was that I haven't won a comp for ages. We're burying the lead with Michelosi here. We've got plenty of ways we can take this. Go for it. Well, the hair—it's all very, <laughs> it's a very different looking David Michelosi yeah. than the one we're a bit more accustomed to. You've gone all uh, short back and sides on us. Yep, pretty much. When That's did you, a, when did you decide to get all serious? Uh, it was just after Vic Open. I watched myself play on the first day, and. It looked appalling. Right. It was disgusting. <laughs> uh, the blonde tips at the back from the sun, and I'm just like, no, nah, got to get off. Was it the 15th or the 16th time that I called you Dicky Knee that sort of got to you? Probably the 16th. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it needed to go. But this is the age of the hairy golfer. Like, yeah, I know. You know. Tommy Fleetwood's brought it back in, and I saw some bloke I've never even heard of before on the playing in the Byron Nelson on the weekend, and I wasn't even really thinking we'd talk about hair, so I didn't. Take, make any notice of taking any notice you of his name. You normally shy away from here. <laughs> well, I'd certainly for obvious reasons. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this bloke was got to about twelve or thirteen under. Does anyone remember? No, the bloke I'm talking. No, no. you're looking at me blank. You don't know who yeah, I'm talking who about. Give you know. Know. Oh, hang on. You, you're talking well, amongst yourselves, and I'll get uh, Let's get this ship back yeah. sort of slightly in the right no, uh, no, I'll get ocean it. here. <laughs> Today's show is brought to us by another special guest. We introduced Qatar Airways. Uh, recently, and that offer still exists. If you're flying anywhere in the world, get onto QatarAirways.com. Uh, use the code GolfAU, Andy. GolfAU. GolfAU, of course. Yep. And you'll get 10 kilograms extra luggage for your golf sticks and 10% off your airline fare. So that's great from Qatar. But today, a very special um, plan for all Golf Australia handicap members, uh, Golf Australia people who have a. How can I say this? Golfers who have a Golf Australia handicap. Uh, can access KO Sports. So if you want to watch the two major championships, we're going to be talking about one coming up in a second. The US PGA Championship is this week. The US Open is inside a month. For the next month, we're going to uh, KO is going to offer a five dollar fee for anyone who wants to take up KO Sports for a month. So you'll be able to watch if you haven't got Fox Sports right now, but you want to watch the two majors, get on. Use your GA handicap uh, on the Golf Australia website, golf.org.au. And you'll be able to do it for $5, two majors, no Foxtel um, hookups at all. So it's a super offer. It's a great so offer. it's live really streaming. Is. We better explain that it's live streaming. So you do it through your device, right? Yeah, you can watch it on your and devices. even though Andy had trouble the other week working what? out what the hell you do when you're <laughs> casting. You cast it from your, your phone or your, your <laughs> laptop to the TV. Yeah, which is a very <laughs> simple process. Blake. Even yes. I can do it. Yeah. I've done it. A very simple process for oh, us yeah. more technologically advanced people. Do you know anyone who's got KO? I know a couple of people. I'll be getting it after next week. It's very good. It's I'm getting it after after the final episode of Game of Thrones. Oh right, my yeah. Foxtel box is getting punted, and oh, I'm getting right. I'm getting KO. Yeah, well, it's like half as half as expensive. Not and in, that, in this mate. instance, not even that. That's so cool. five bucks. Five yeah, bucks perfect. handy to watch the next Super. two majors on KO, which is Amazing. a great. Uh, just use your GA handicap. Go good through deal. the website and get on it. Yeah, which nice. uh, we'll come back and talk to you, Micker, about you know how come you're here and what you did at the weekend. But um, we're going to talk. Briefly, Andy, here about the upcoming major, the second one for the year. It's the first time in a very long time 
that we've had the USPGA Championship be something that isn't sort of vaguely irrelevant, I'm going to put to you. Yep. Uh, the big move up from August-ish to May is going to suit it really well, I think. I could, it, couldn't agree with you more. It makes it more relevant. Uh, we are heading back to Bethpage Black, and instead of just the four Aussies that we've normally um, become used to, we're rocking two more. Well, um, hang on. No, no, three more, are we? Three more. Isn't Craig Hocknell in the field? Is he? I think Craig Hocknell. I, th- I, I think he's a New Guinea guy. Uh, turn it up. He was born in New Guinea, but I think he yeah. flies under the Australian flag. Well, he's he? got an Australian flag next to him on the leader on the uh, tee time. He's in again. Am I am I making that up? I think he. I he's think he's in. in. I think he he's qualified in. again. Yeah. I saw yeah. the flag. I thought, who's this guy? But yeah, is he is he an Australian? No, I think he's an Australian. I think he grew oh, up I only in. Saw the PNG flag. That's why. Oh, I've... I know. Oh, oh maybe. I, gee, we need to check this out. But he's definitely. Well, I should. No, it's so, okay. We'll roll with him in. So we've got seven I've got guys him in. Playing. I've got him under the Australian flag. I reckon no. we spoke about him last year because he qualified. This is the guy that when he was at college back in the early 90s, yep. uh, he survived an armed robbery. Like he was oh, at that's a, right. Remember yeah. that bloke? I do, yeah. He was, yeah. He was at co- in his right. college dorm with his two or three college mates who he was sharing a house with, and a bloke broke in. A couple of blokes broke in armed, and they stood up to him and somehow managed to survive. So yeah, right. I think he's... Oh, someone's going to yeah, correct us on this. Now let's roll with I that. I just delete a few sections of this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Andy should have kept the reins. Now let's roll with seven. So Craig Hocknell, but we've also got, alongside you know the regulars, Adam Scott, Jason Day, Mark Leishman and Cam Smith, we also have Lucas Herbert. Correct. Who's becoming a bit of a fixture in majors, thankfully, which is great. Mm. But we also have Brendan Jones. Um, Who? The friend of the podcast? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. The, the one who, as is Lucas. The one who could stand up in your porridge, and a lot of Australian sports fans wouldn't know who he is, but he's the bloke that makes yeah. a million bucks a year. A billionaire. King first, of Japan. The king of Japan. That's exactly. The there well, you go. Fortunate enough to play with him on Sunday. And that's All right. Where'd you play with him? At the Diamond Cup at right. the Asian Pacific. Of course, yeah. Open, yeah. yeah. And you, did you talk to him about the king of Japan? Did he, is he rocking with that? Because he sort of reluctantly told us that, and we, we entitled our podcast The King of Japan. We didn't <laughs> yeah, he, he is the king of Japan. He won last, I think he won two weeks two ago. Two weeks ago, yeah. 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 He was on our yeah, podcast. Hey, is he Todd yeah. Balkans in the field and Stuart Dean? They're both club pros, um, Australian club pros who, who are pros at, uh, to, uh, at golf clubs in America as well. So you're telling me we're up to we're up to where are we six we, seven eight nine players? Yeah. We're definitely eight and it may be nine. So yeah, Todd Balkan. He's, he's, he's an assistant pro in Dallas. Todd Balkan. He got in the field. You know, have the have the uh, qualifying for that. And Stuart Dean, I think played yeah. maybe last year or the year before. Yeah, a couple of years ago, I think. Yeah, he's a pro in Texas as well. He's an Aussie. My research has been pretty <laughs> shoddy. Yeah, and yeah. you got a bit excited about what about the tail that? Off what about that, <laughs> what about that sign, boys? The black course is an extremely difficult course, which we recommend only for highly skilled golfers. That's I was reading a thing about that today. That's at the first tee at Beth Page, black, the black course, and they reckon that that sign is almost more famous than the course, course. itself. <laughs> yeah. So they they, they dine out on this a bit, Dave. Is there a, the hardest, pure heart, most difficult golf course that? They they love the idea that from the back, yeah. this is a brutal test. Yeah. Is there a course when I ask you the toughest course you've ever played that automatically jumps out at you? Last week's. Oh, really? Yeah. Was it that difficult? It was unbelievably difficult. We, we may as well just change tack here and just start talking to Micker <laughs> oh, about it. Don't his... you want us to talk about it? No, we're going to do that in a second thing. But <laughs> oh. now that you've just you know, oh, sorry, sort no. of you know, taken over, sort of you know, willy-nilly well, coup. This is, a bit different. this is sort of like a – we're not necessarily talking about David so much, but – you know, just it's the, going to be hard to go back and talk about that tournament now if we don't do it in this all right, segment. Go on. So let's just, <laughs> no, so Dave, David's here because he uh, he forewent the chance to play for his beloved Victoria in this interstate series, and he had a start in the Crowns. 
What's the, the name of the Diamond Cup? The Diamond Cup, Diamond rather. Cup. What's yeah. the name of the course? Uh, Suba. Now, Andy, yeah. Matt Griffin was again prominent in the tournament, mm. and he was actually pretty wrapped because his greens in reg and his fairways hit were just, I think, from record from memory. Uh, just over fifty five percent, which normally would be devastation and home on a Friday evening. Yeah, yep, hundred percent. Tell us about the course, Mika. It was, I think, it was about six seven meters. Uh, the fairways, I no joke, probably maybe twenty meters wide. <laughs> and then you got a me- about maybe a meter, meter and a half of first cut, which was not too bad. And then you had the second cut, which was had to, some some areas was easily six inches long. <laughs> So, so you told me you drove the ball well. I drove the ball really well. And hit how many fairways? I hit two fairways the first day. <laughs> and then yeah, That's and then insane. and then the, and then going back to the course, the greens were so small, so firm, and so fast that if you caught a fly and landed at the middle of the green, it was dead over the back. Oh. And making up and down from over the back is pretty tough on that golf course. So. It was amazing actually watching all the, the Japanese guys, all the two Japanese guys I played with the first two days, how they hit it out of the rough. They were aiming for the front part of the greens, which was probably maybe five meters wide. Mm. And they'll just, just try and aim for that and try and bounce it in. And so get a flyer maybe? Yeah. Mm. Oh, you get a flyer almost every Every time. shot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, probably with Sandwich and Lob Wedge, you wouldn't get a flyer, but every mm. other club you would. So you're still amateur, as we sort of yep. alluded to earlier on. You've got to start, I assume, through the Japan Golf Association. Yep. Oh, yeah. Golf Australia helps me get yeah. that start, yeah. Yeah. So the relationship between Golf Australia and the JGA got you the start. Yeah. Yep. But they set up courses a little like the USGA. Yeah. So the yep. other time they crank it up is the Japan Open. Yes. Yeah. Which is brutal. Yeah. I, really? I, was, I was fortunate enough to play that again last year. And because I'm, I could be wrong, but Adam Scott played. And the last time he played in the Japan Open, it was like last week's, and he hated it. So they they made the fairways a little bit wider, the rough not as long, but it was still brutal. Like, I, I don't know what one, I think maybe 10 under one. But yeah, it's, I think tournaments run by the Japan Golf Association, they they take it to the extreme, which is which is fun. Like, the players probably don't really like it. Yeah, but yeah. I, I enjoyed it last week, like trying to thread drivers, trying to somehow try and make pars from rough this long and yeah it was pretty cool so yusuko asaji won at three under by yeah. a shot three um, under wins yeah. three under and wins the tournament cl- and clutched it on the way home he made four four up and downs in the last five holes to win right yeah so mickey you you uh shot rounds of 71 72 74 73 yeah and the 73 made you come through the field, up the field in the last day for yeah. a tie of 20, share of yeah. 27th. And I, di- and I doubled the last as well, which would have got me tied 21st or something like that. So, <laughs> so what, what's it like when you're in that situation? Do you, are you thinking out there when you're playing the shots, you know, uh, I'm not shooting myself in the foot here. I've got to just stay stay with it rather than, you know, get too angry with yourself, you know. Yeah. You've got to be very, aware of what's going on around you. It's very easy to get angry with yourself, especially in those conditions. Like you, you just miss the fairway two metres off the fairway and you, all of a sudden you're like, how do I make par? And then you hit the, you hit the shot and, and the bun- front bunker to a front pin and it's, it's dead and you're just like, and then you, you can just, it snowballs real quickly and then you can get <laughs> well, do, just so angry. Was there anybody there watching 
this. I mean, it sounds yeah. like they get galleries, even though oh, they're, they're, they're great galleries. Yeah, yeah. it's just hard work. Like it's a grind, but yeah. they still turn up to to watch it. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. We've learned a lot about the Japanese golf this we, year. More it's, and more, I can. Yeah, yeah. It's a great tour. I've I've been fortunate enough to play in two two events and. Like from what I've heard, everyone loves it. Yeah. So does it open your eyes or open another avenue for you when you take always, a big I was step? Always going to go to Japanese Q School. Yep. At the end of this year. So if that works out to be where you play, you'll be happy with that. Yep. Why is that? Money's good. I love the food there. Yeah. So you've got to love the food. Um, courses are really good. The greens are very similar to to here. Yep. Um, the only thing I got to adjust to is the rough and how tight the fairways are. What about language? How do you go with the whole... I think they're pretty good. I'm like starting to get better words here and there. Yep. The more times I go, probably the more more I'll learn and yep. all that. But I've got uh, Kaito Nakajima, the guy that beat me at the Aussie Amateur. He like, he helps me out a little bit. And then when he comes down, I help him out a little bit. So yeah, good little rivalry, but also good mates as well, which is pretty cool. It was great to see you guys bond a bit again at the Aussie Open when yeah. you both did so well too. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That's very cool. Mickey, you're taking your time about turning pro a little yep. bit, I would have said. You know, you, you, you know you've been in the top five in an Australian Open yep. last year. What, what's your thinking there? Uh, I th- all my family is tra- like tradesmen, so they like, did their apprenticeships and all that, and I thought, why not do that with golf? So use so it the, as an apprenticeship, yeah, what, so, what you're doing now. Yeah. yeah, so my next five years, well, from when I turned 18, so start of 2015 to – Probably should have turned pro in the last year, but I took one more year just just to be safe. But um, just thought if I could try and be top ten amateur in Australia, okay, done that. Be top five, okay, done that. Be number one, okay, done that. And then try and creep up the world rankings as well. I think that opens up a lot of doors, and like I've got, hopefully, I've got such a long career ahead of me that it doesn't affect it. Like I want to be, I still want to be playing while I'm forty five, forty six years old. So. Two or three more Jeez, years. That old. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, two, two, or, two or three, two or three <laughs> years isn't gonna. And will you change. go to British Am this year and stuff yes. like that? Yep. Yeah. So tell us about that, mate. You're number seven amateur in the world at the moment. You've been mm-hmm. as high as five, right? Yep. Now I know your mission's to get to the top of the pops of before you go. Of course. Yeah. Uh, walk us through your schedule in the next two or three months. Uh, so next up, I've got the US Open pre Q at Walton Heath. It's so in it's, England. Yep. Um, so. It's a sectional, so it's the last last stage. I think there's 15 spots, and I just got the email saying looking through the field, and it's basically a big European tour event without yeah. the top, I think 60 players. So, um, yeah, that'll be pretty cool. And then I, I got St Andrews Links after the, I think that the week of that pre queue, and then British Amateur, European Amateur, uh, then fly over to the states for the Western Amateur and the US Amateur, and then go to could be going to or go to Europe and then go to Japan for the Q schools later in the year. What a what a suite of golf tournaments to look forward to yeah. for a young man of your where you're at with your game at the moment, particularly the two national, yeah, the British and the US amateur championships. Yeah. They're both they we we by virtue of you know um, media services that we didn't have access to you know mm-hmm. ten years ago. We're now getting to see them. Yep. For those who haven't been lucky enough to get over and participate at whatever level, mm-hmm. um, they are absolutely magnificent tournaments. The yeah. British Amateur is like it's it's of both of them. Should they are both nerve wracking, yeah. nerve jangling, tense. The quality of golf that gets played is awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's 
it, what a great thing to to have in front of you. Yeah, definitely. I've been fortunate enough to do it for the last three years for yeah. British Amateur, and it's the courses are always so pure. Like we got to play Royal Aberdeen last year, uh, Royal St George's the year before that, and then Royal Porthcawl. So three. No, I don't know if Royal Aberdeen's had a major there, but what's the deepest you've been? Uh, I got to quarterfinals last year. Yep, right. Yeah. Do you have to change much to play that Lynx style golf, or does the Melbourne kind of experience help? Uh, playing with wind, it's oh, it's you just have to knock it down just a tad more. Um, there's a lot of running shots as well, which you don't you don't get. Any, you can play a four on from one fifty and just chip it and watch it run for the last seventy meters. Mm. And you, you you don't get that around here. Do you like that though? Do you do you enjoy oh, that? Yeah. yeah, you can play five different shots with all different winds from the same spot. Yeah, like it's you can play it up against the wind. You can play under the wind. You can hit a like a high forearm and try and get it caught in the wind and get it to drop softly. Yeah. It's just amazing, amazing golf over there. Do you intend to play the Asia Pacific Amateur? Yep. So if things pan out well on the USM or Mm-hmm. Or I suppose the British Am as well, or the Asia Pacific Am. Yep. Um, will that you happily, obviously, stay amateur for another seven or eight months? I'd be pretty stupid not to, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely stay. But if if yeah. you don't win one of those tournaments, do you jump at the end of the year? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yep, definitely. So, so I reckon yeah. Andy, just listening to you, you ask questions, and you, Blakey, asked asked Dave questions about this. We all love. Um, Ryan Ruffles and what he's done and, and a handful of other young pros you know, Kevin Yuan's going really well on the yeah, China Tour in the last couple yeah. of weeks etc um, I reckon they miss out on a lot of stuff here the, uh, the, I, I agree really with do. this I agree with this yeah. I, I think this is the stuff that in when you are 46 and you're all sitting on the balcony at Augusta you know going to the final round having your green eggs and bacon for brekkie and all the yeah. rest of it <laughs> you'll be able to tell those these stories about being on these teams and playing in these yeah. You know, and they're going to be. These are going to be. They're, not only are they great building blocks, I imagine, for the career that's going to come for the next twenty five, thirty years for you, mm. but they're just great memories that you're going to have. Yeah, you know? playing an Eisenhower like that was probably one of the best weeks. What's so good about it? Oh, just playing as a team. Yeah, like don't get to do it much. You get to play it with the interstate series and all that. But a three man team, the best three players in the country. And there's uh, seventy, I think seventy or seventy-one countries that play for the to- like play for the like play for each country yeah, and all. Yeah, it's yeah. just yeah. so cool, yeah. yeah. Like and to see all the people that have played, like like Tiger from the US and uh, and um, all the guys from from Oz, and you're just like, geez, I'm I'm like traveling on the right path and all that, and yeah, it gives you a bit of chills to be honest. What it's number are you? Eighty-one. 81st player to represent Australia in the Eisenhower, Andy. That goes right. You get the number on the cap and... Uh, it was on the shirt. on the shirt, yeah. So in the middle of all of this, in the, you sound like you, I love the fact that you're honouring your family and you're doing what they've all done. I think that's yeah, yeah. that's right at the bottom. That's the baseline that you're coming from, I reckon. It feels like and sounds like a great place that you're coming from. Yep. In the middle of all this stuff, the, the um, progression... Are you mindful of when you get to play with pros, how your game matches up? Do you have a look at them and go, yeah, I'm, I see the way they prepare. I see the way they approach. I see the way they set up. I see the, whatever, whatever yeah. they're doing. Are you, I'm not saying you're going to copy them. But, yeah, of course. Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah definitely. 
Definitely. And I, you feel I'll, like you're in that kind of pro, you're ready to compete at that level? Yeah. I um, I've got to play with some pretty decent players for probably the last, or since August last year, I got to play with Ernie Els. Mm. I, um, I think that was the last time I was on the show. Um, That's right. I played with Paul Dunn, Richard Green, uh, played with Nick Colsards and all mm. that. Like guys are, are pretty decent golfers. Mm. And to be honest, there's, there's not, there's not much difference in ball striking wise. There's obviously a bit of playing, mm. playing ability and also experience. Like they've been playing on tour for a long time Yeah, and I'm still, I'm still an amateur. I'm st- yeah. So there's, I think that experience factor will probably hopefully kick me up to where they are. And yeah, I wonder, yeah. it's more about, it's not, I'm, I have no doubt about your ability to play, <laughs> play with these guys. Like yeah, I've got yeah. no, there, there's, I don't think anybody's seen you play. It's more about the, you know, the management. Yeah, of, definitely. You know, from spot to spot and getting yourself around and getting, having the right people who, you, you know who the right people are and what people you're going to need and yeah. just how you make the, just the management of your way through this yeah, yeah. as easy as it can be so it doesn't get in the way of your playing yeah, the kind of golf you want to play. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. And it's it's pretty cool, pretty cool actually, amateurs playing in professional events because I... I know there's a few guys in the States that are probably top 10 in, in the world and they haven't actually played that many pro events. Yeah, right. But they're, they're still they're unbelievable golfers yeah, and yeah. when they go out there, when they get onto web or if they go to Europe, they're always competing. But um, I think with, like say, Australia or even Japan, like giving them heaps of invites to these pro events and experiencing playing with pros, I think that's could be a little bit of an edge against mm. other other countries, but yeah, I think we're doing pretty well. Mm. So combining a couple of those things, because I know you're really passionate about your national open. Yeah. Yep. And you, you, oh, let's, let's get fair to give me, you pants Snedeker and Bradley and Kuchar and all those guys <laughs> at the Australian <laughs> Open last year. Yeah. Um, t- T5 in mm-hmm. your national championship with a really quality field. And you, you know, you were, you were headlining there for a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, deep actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was that experience like for you? Um, and did it play to what Andy just asked you? Um, yeah, the first, the first two days were, I couldn't, I couldn't have asked for a better two days to be honest. Um, yeah, I never experienced that much media ever. And I'm pretty, pretty sure you told me just if, if you don't want to do it, just tell them not to and all that. But it was pretty, pretty cool. Was, I probably did a little bit more than I should have, but it was just an all, all an experience. And yeah, I think that's hopefully that's something I can get used to with hopefully being up there in the lead and all that. But yeah, it's yeah, pretty cool to. I don't know. First, first Aussie Open, it just yeah made things a lot better. Because you've been busting your gut to get to that position for a couple of years, haven't you? Yeah, I've been just on the edge the last couple of years, and <laughs> I was ha- happy when I got in, and yeah, happy to. Happy to come. Hey, Z, I think he was leading by what, maybe five at one yeah, stage early in the second round. Four. I was <laughs> <Yeah>. still, <laughs> I've actually still got the screenshot on my phone. Oh, someone, right, okay. <laughs> someone sent it to me, and I always, yeah. always have a chuckle about it. Yeah, that <laughs> first what was it six holes. Yeah, that was yeah, pretty ridiculous. Yeah, well, it yeah. probably wasn't a hundred percent real, was it? Because you'd you'd had an early tee time, and some yeah, of the yeah. leaders hadn't started or whatever. But it was it was it was, it was real, really. Yeah. 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 I just, I just think that you, for what it's worth, and you don't need me to tell you this. I think your grounding's spot on. Yeah, I, I, th- I think the way you're building to something, whatever it becomes, is the best way you've 
anyone we've ever had on the show from an mm. amateur, amateur perspective. Yeah. Um, I just the opportunities can if you if you take the plunge early into the pro ranks, and it backfires on you for whatever reason, and there can be fifty. Uh, the chances that you can recover quickly without damage to your reputation, your ranking, your finances, everything are, are heightened dramatically. Mm. Uh, I think from an amateur perspective, you can still always have the scope to pick the pieces up and you know mm. have, have a go when you're ready. And so, Min Woo Lee is probably probably similar yeah, in terms of he, age, and uh, you know I, Min Min could have gone earlier as well. He he could have. I think I think he did pretty well with turning when he did, and seeing the the year he's had. Like I know he. He just missed the cut at the British Masters, which that if that event, I think I don't know how much he had to make, but if he if he did that, that would have been just unbelievable story. Like first year out, yeah. like it's just unheard of. Like I, he's probably the best ball striker I've ever seen. Like it's a big I can, call. I know that's yeah. yeah, it's a big call. I've seen, I've I've played with some pretty decent players, like, but he's I don't know. There's just something different about it, and. I don't know, like I when I was twenty, like I didn't huh. like I was not even even near that. Yeah. Like I've really kind of developed over the last year and a half. And him to do that at twenty and play in some of the biggest events in the world is just pretty cool. But it's also cool that you know you can go with him. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And you guys, it seems to me you not just men, some of the other younger players that Australia's yeah. got at the moment, you've all been in teams together, you've played against each other at interstates and stuff. You're kind of driving each other, I think, eh? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think we've got all, like, going going into the Interstate Series, like, last week, up the Vicks. Um, but, <laughs> um, I don't know, just that week, obviously, you guys want to win. But other than that, like, we're all pushing each other. When we go away to, like, the US Amateur last year, like, I think, well, Zach was, I think Zach was playing well. I think Windred was there as well. And, like, sta- the States didn't matter. We're You're all as one. We're all Aussies. We're mm. pushing, like, we're... We're cheering them on and doing all that kind of stuff, which is which is pretty cool. Oh, we saw that at Augusta a few years ago, didn't we? Yeah, at the uh, the, yeah. the pointiest end, you know, when one bloke's winning and the other bloke's playing with him, and he's punching the oh, air yeah. in the background, and mm. you know that was that's exactly what you're kind of talking about. Yeah, you know? definitely, um, definitely. That just talking about Min Woo and the ball striking in your twenty, you know, different universe. But you've was there a was, did you start doing something different? What was, what was the kind of progression in your game or the elevation in your game? Or what did you start doing that saw you improve that part of your game to get it to where it is now? Um, there was oh, – I missed out on the Asian Amateur team in 2017. But, like, it was the smallest margin ever. And I was pretty angry that I didn't get into that and then pretty angry that I didn't get into Aussie Open and – um, Marty, my coach, and Hazy's heard me say this. He, I won't say the exact words he said, but he. <laughs> Marty Joyce was saying here. Yeah, uh, he he said, just play golf, mate. Yeah. Don't worry about what's coming, what's going. Like you just just do what you got to do, and the results will take care of itself. And then, since then, I had I think I had two second two second places, and I won. It was like three or four events in a row. I think two. I think two of the events were pretty like state events, and then I won. On the Victorian Amateur and the Master Amateurs, and then the week after the Master Amateurs, I came second at the Aussie Amateur, and then yeah, just kind of cap- catapulted, which, yeah, right. which was pretty cool. And then yeah. yeah, got into got into Eisenhower Asian Amateur, and then just give myself chances, and it's been a pretty pretty cool journey the last year and a half. But Good advice. but before but before that, I was 
I was kind of like on the outside looking in, yeah. going like, yep. he's like, when am I, when am I going to get We're just thinking shot? about it too much. Like, was it te- oh, yeah. too technical, too swing conscious? Too... Uh, not really swing. <clears throat> con- like we did, we did some big work on the swing before that, but the swing was fine. My playing ability was fine. It was just kind of giving myself a chance in a, in a tournament. So I think playing in an Aussie open and kind of going, okay, this is my first shot at an Aussie open and then play the way I did. I think like if, I don't know, I could be wrong, but if I had more of those before that, it yeah. could have happened. I don't know. But yeah. when I, when I, when I get the chance to try and make the most of it, which is yeah, pretty cool. And you're going right. to hit it a lot further than you used to as well. I used to. Two years it. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone who I've spoken to who's senior said that you can, you're moving out there now. Yeah. Yeah. What does that actually mean? What's that? Calm day, your driver goes. It can vary. Uh, Last last week I was probably averaging 280. Run out, yeah. I hate some some ridiculous drives, but like, I don't know. I don't really have... And I, I don't really care about distance anymore. Yeah, I've, no. I've, I've, I cared about it for way too long and I should have stopped when yeah. I was 17 or 18, but I kept, <laughs> kept going and wanted to always hit it further. And Marty's just like, just, mate, just work on the right things and do all the little things and you'll be all right. No, no, no. I want to get my swing speed up to 125 and all, all the, and all the silly things, but. What is your swing speed? 118. Mm. It's the the beauty of having stayed amateur and figured out your your world and your game a lot, lot better than you might have if you'd turned too early, in my p- humble opinion. I'm going to give you one more bit of advice, though, mate. Mm-hmm. South Melbourne parking inspectors are deadly, oh, yeah. and you need to get out and move your car. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. It's a big winter, our winter, your northern summer yep. you've got in store. Obviously, we'll stay in touch with you whenever we can. And uh, Thanks for coming in again, and we appreciate it very much. No worries. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. David Michaluzzi joining us, and we'll be right back after this break, and we'll have another star guest, Simon Magdorsky. The Golf Australia website is now the place to go to look up your handicap and so much more. Whether you're out and about on your phone or in the office trying to avoid work, just go to golf.org.au and punch your golf link number into the box at the top of the homepage. Who knows, maybe that last round was just good enough to put you in single figures. While you're on the site, check out the daily golf results at your club, view our course index for up-to-date ratings, read the latest golf news from home and abroad, Listen to Australian golf podcasts and interviews and watch video tournament highlights or tips to improve your game. It's everything a golf tragic could want. Visit golf.org.au today. The home of Australian golf. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes, and it's just one star in, one star out here. I'm not sure that uh, Simon Magdulski, our next guest, will ever get to play or experience the joys of playing off plus eight, but... Uh, nevertheless, he sets the system that makes it possible, and arguably that makes him even more powerful. Welcome in, Simon. Hazy, it's terrific to be here. I um, I have access to the golf link system, so if I want to get down to plus eight, I, I could find a way. <laughs> have you ever just Have you ever just done it and then taken a photo and sent it out to the board? Hey, listen, I've been playing a bit of golf lately without you. I'm going okay, and you just manipulated the Don't system. Give me so, ideas, so it just gives you that that home page just for the. Prospect of taking a photo. Murray, my mates have seen me play golf, right. so they would know that there's only one possible explanation for getting to play. Right. Okay, right. <laughs> Can you do it to mine, just for the hell of it? Uh, I, if you ask me the question off air, you might get a different right. answer. 
was, this is a very serious subject, very serious subject, so I'm, I know. Uh, well, some, remind me in the third segment, Andy, to talk oh. to you about Brett Jeeves. Um, oh, it's, I will. It's quite funny. Simon, can you just, for the record here, it's like a police interview, can you give people your title? My title is Senior Manager, Play Management and Regulations for the Fine Organisation of Golf Australia. I could never remember that in a fit. So, what Golf, Simon, the Golf Australia bit? Yeah, no, no, I remember that bit. But what Simon actually does is make sure the handicapping system works for every one of us, all around the country, no matter what you're doing. Simon regulates all that stuff. It's all under his sort of uh, realm. Was it frosty as Simon as Simon arrived and David left? There's because, a bit of tension. Because Mick Aluzzi had a few issues with this, didn't he? It was, there was. Can you explain that to us? Well, you'll have to run those particular issues past me in order to give me a chance to explain them. Uh, his GA handicap was plus 6.8, and he had to play off plus 8. Uh, well, that would be the slope rating kicking in. Um, so it works inversely if you've got a positive handicap. Yeah, the the premise with slope is that if you are playing on scratch, um, if you've got a GA handicap of 0.0, wherever you go, you play off scratch. So when you go to the really difficult course, um, with slope, the the player off the, the plus handicap needs to play off something that's proportionate to their ability. So the scratch player is going to find that course harder than the, the plus marker. So you need to stretch out the difference between the 0.0 marker and the plus I marker. I hate it when he tells me things that make sense. That so. does make sense. Yeah. <laughs> and you've explained it. I thought it was going to be impossible for you to explain yeah. that, but you did, you've did. you clearly been well-versed in it's, this. It's, it's a very common question. <laughs> Ideally, that sort of static mark would have been something like plus 15 that no one would ever get to so that everyone was playing off something yeah. a little bit um, easier on the difficult course. Um, but yes, that's There's the, some that's sort of the explanation. limit, Simon, uh, you know, because we've heard about Mark Leishman playing. Well, he was off plus seven or something. Plus seven at Port Ferry. And we've heard about a plus six point something today, Michaluzzi. Uh, is there a, any sort of limit? The limit is just what your scores are? provide. That's, mm. that's exactly right. What is the lowest yeah. handicap you've ever heard of? Uh, the lowest legitimate handicap? Um <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the reason I, I sort of throw that in is you, you get the odd data entry error into GolfLink. Yeah, right, some okay. little old lady who ends up with a handicap of plus 20 right. um, because the club's just put the wrong score in, um, which gives her and her friends good reason to chuckle or, or be terrified. Uh, but the lowest legitimate mark, oh, I'd just be guessing really um, plus 10 somewhere somewhere wow. about there. Yeah. I just can't. So Dean Lawson, who was at my club before he went on to the European tour, he played off plus seven for quite a while. Yeah, right. And we just heard Micka there at plus eight. I, it's just, it's incomprehensible. I, I can't imagine him giving me 19 shots standing on the first tee. He beat me, by the way, just for the record. I'll give Do you notice we didn't ask? Out of oh, deference you, you just, to you? You just assumed that he would have pumped me, and he did. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, you, you see guys like David playing on very difficult courses and, and having 65 on a on a Saturday comp day. Um, when you're having scores like that, just freewheeling it, it's going to get the handicap down on those high slope rated cores. I can't tell you how many times Blakey said that to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, mate, you're in here. You've rejoined us. You're a regular visitor, a friend of the pod, no less, uh, to talk about the world handicapping system. Always delighted to be here, Hazy. Really? There's a lot of Corellas that have never recovered from one of your visits. <laughs> anyway, that aside, world handicapping system is why you're here. Yes. Now, it's coming in, obviously, globally, um, but from an Australian perspective, it doesn't mean too much, does it? 
No, the the world handicap system, the the construction of it has involved all of the the existing major handicap systems around the world, all of those authorities coming together um, and working together to form a single system. Um, and the outcome of all of that work, this world handicap system, for all of the jurisdictions, Australia um, with it the least affected, which is is very pleasing for me and for Golf Australia right now. But but that said, we've we've engaged in a lot of handicapping reform over the last sort of ten years. So a lot of this work that other countries are having to um, to perform um, to change their systems, we've already worked through a lot of that. So when our members uh, start to see big changes afoot from other international media platforms. Don't panic. It's not really applicable to us. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Um, you know, you, you go back five years and we were having to work through this process of introducing slope. Um, that that was a really significant change, a big cultural change for, for our golfers. That's what they're having to do in the UK um, and various other parts of the world. Um, but we, it's not a problem for us because we've already done it. Um, introducing averaging, um, huge change for the UK and for Europe. Um, but again, we've we've already been through that. Uh, so again, our golfers are, are used to the way that sort of a handicap system operates. Even the 8 of 20 method of calculating a handicap, that'll be new for the US, um, but that's exactly where we're at right now. Um, so it's a, you know, another change that we don't have to worry about communicating to our golfers. Well, one of the, I noticed, and I noticed in, we have the um, uh, the explanation, the description of the changes in front of us on a two-page document we've gotten. I noticed Part B, the soft cap of three strokes, and, and part, one of the points is to it, so I'll get you to explain what that is, but one of the sort of subsections as part of the explanation is that um, GA has been aware for some time that the existing system produces a competitive advantage for the inconsistent player over the consistent player. And I've heard that said amongst disgruntled members from time to time. Can you take us inside that as a notion and what the soft cap of three strokes will do to perhaps alleviate that to a degree? Yeah, well, Murray, exactly as you say, there is this bias in the existing system towards the the, the more inconsistent mm. player. We know that. Um, the challenge is to find a way to, to improve that situation. Um, that isn't overly complex. That's that's the challenge. Yeah, yep. You know, we we get this constant feedback from clubs and golfers. Don't make this system too complex. Uh, already, you know, my view is that it's probably more complex than we'd like it to be. Um, so to be introducing more complexity is not ideal. Uh, but the, these reforms that come in as a part of the world handicap system, this soft cap, um, that will help in that regard. So under the world system, there'll be a, a hard cap of five strokes. So a player's handicap won't be able to increase by any more than five strokes within a 12-month period. Okay, right. That's already a part of our system. So this is, again, something else that the global system has Catching picked up from our right, system, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're just introducing it um, across the world. The soft cap, that's a that's a new one, and this, this comes in at three strokes. So there'll be this free movement... Um, of handicap out until it increases by up to three strokes above your lowest handicap within the last 12-month period. Once you start to get above that, once you start to play poorly, um, the increases will only be at a rate of 50% of the calculated value. 
Um, so between three strokes and five strokes, that, that rate of increase um, drops down to only 50% of the calculated value. Oh, so Simon, can... uh, I nearly fell over the other day because someone tried to tell me that under this new system, the maximum handicap for men and women will be 54. That really shocked me, but there's a, a rider with this, isn't there? Yeah, look, that's that's right. Um, under Under the new world handicap system right across the world, uh, the maximum handicap index or our terminology in Australia is GA handicap. So GA handicap remains the terminology in Australia. The maximum a GA handicap will be able to be calculated to is is 54.0. And that's what would be displayed on the Golf Australia website. But if clubs want to continue their existing competition limits of 36 for men or 45 for women, they can do that. So they can set these daily handicap limits at yeah. at 36 for men or 45 for women. Now, talking to a lot of clubs about this, um, they, they sort of get to the point of understanding that for our regular competitions here, yeah, we might leave them at 36 for men, 45 for women. But for these competitions, we were trying to engage new players, bring in juniors or, or older players for those competitions. Well, maybe we'll just let... Um, let the daily handicap go to whatever it is that um, the the normal limit would would um, calculate for them. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you and I had a very in depth discussion yesterday about the the uh, another one of these things here, which is the incorporating the difference between the scratch rating and the par into handicap calculation for the day. In short, what happens, Andy? You roll up and you you you, you figure out your handicap is going to be twelve. Mm. The you're going to have to correct me here, Simon. But the daily, uh, the scratch rating, gee, I'm already making a mess of this. This is a disaster. I'm glad you decided to dive into this. Oh, this is a, this is really hard deep to explain. Dive. But yeah, the, the deep dive. The scratch rating of the course is 68. So Andy's playing off 12. Scratch rating is 68 and the par is 71. What happens to his handicap? Um, Hazy, look, look. Go back a step with Thanks. this one. You know, what's the, what's the problem that we're trying to solve here? Um, it's, it's probably the best way of approaching this. You're asking me or are you about to tell me? Um, it was a rhetorical question. Oh, hopefully, so hopefully let me give you the answer. More relieved during this podcast. Hazy, can you answer that question for me, please? No, I can't. Um, look, a common question we get put to us, not just by new players, but by players who have been in golf for, for decades is, you know, look, I've, I've had 36 points or I've had net par. Have I played to my handicap? Um, the answer is what well, sort of depends on what the scratch rating was in relation to the par. So 36 points, you might have played to your handicap um, or you might not have played to your handicap. If the scratch rating is 72 and the par is 72, well, yeah, you've played to your handicap. If the scratch rating is 74, um, par 72, then 36 points is um, it's not playing to your handicap. You've you've actually played better mm. than your mm. handicap. Um, there's this this hit, almost hidden extra adjustment that gets factored into handicapping that most players don't see. Um, those people who understand handicapping get it, but that's that's only a pretty small proportion of players, I'd suggest. Which, so, which the, we, and we spoke last time that there's a rash of 32s and 33s around Australia, basically, and that's actually roughly playing to your handicap. Yeah, look, that's that's a that's a part of it. Um, but what we're trying to do is to create this really transparent. Um, 
score consideration process where people understand that if they've had 36 points, irrespective of how difficult the course was, you've played to your handicap. So what we're going to do is is factor into the um, the daily handicap formula calculation this adjustment between the scratch rating and the par. So that that'll just happen for you up front. Um, your, your the software at your club will do it for you, or the the Golf Australia website will do it for you. So you'll get this this daily handicap. It'll be printed on your card, or um, your handicap manager or captain will just tell you what your daily handicap is. But you'll get this handicap and you'll know that if you've had 36 points, you've played to your handicap. Just makes it a lot more transparent Mm. and simple. So handicapping becomes more intuitive, but also what it does is it means that um, mixed gender or multi-tee competitions become a lot easier for clubs to to conduct. Um, You can have the higher markers playing off the the short tees, the low markers playing off the back tees. Um, you can have that sort of a, a competition offering. Um, you can have men and women playing in the same competition. No need for extra adjustments after you've played. You just directly compare the scores that the players so have If you're had. playing off the green tees way up in front, the scratch rating will be 61, par will be 72, and your handicap will be And that, that'll just get reflected into the mm. daily mm. handicap. So everything becomes a lot simpler. Perfectly simple. It's very simple. It's very easy to explain. But just a, not. a broad, do people, do you, is there a sense of, is it common for there to be a sense of dissatisfaction amongst many players about their mark? Oh, yeah, it's, I'm 13 and a half, but I should be playing off, you know, 10 or I should be playing off 16. Like, is there a, do you hear that as a kind of a lament? Uh, it's it's probably a a separate issue. Some, some players will think that they very rarely play to their handicap. Mm. Um, and that's, that's right. People statistically only play to their handicap about 15% of the time. Um, that makes me feel a lot happier. And Simon's got a knack of being able to do that. You should come in whenever (laughs) we're feeling a bit down about our game. Can we get Simon to pop in? (laughs) 15% 15% of your time you play to your mark. That's, look, that's right. Around about, yeah. That's okay. right. Now, now we, we do have it put to us by some people that the, the handicap really should be a reflection of what your average score is. So all handicaps should go up. Um, now, why don't we do that? Well, look, we, Golf Australia views handicapping really as customer service. We, we're just providing to the golf industry what it is that the industry wants of us. And our starting point here is to go to the clubs and say, look, what sort of score do you think should win a competition? Mm. And the common feedback is somewhere around about the sort of 40 to 42 point mark. So what we do is we set the handicap formulas to achieve an average winning score of roughly 40, 42 points. Now, if what we did was make handicaps reflective of your average score, all handicaps would go up. Um, and it would mean winning scores would start to become yeah, 50, yeah, 55 points. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, the other problem here is that higher markers tend to be a bit more inconsistent than the lower markers. So the higher markers' handicaps would go up by more than the lower markers. So what you do would be to create this really significant advantage to the higher markers, um, and that's going to lead to... Low markers oh, just having blood no chance. chance of carnage competitions. Shit. Yeah. You can imagine that. Ooh, imagine if Acker was part of all this. <laughs> Simon, I can't let you come in here without asking you one thing <laughs> about the rules. Um, 
Just a little update on the feedback you're getting about the rules that came in at the start of the year. Is, is there, it seems to have gone fairly quiet. Uh, yeah, I, look, I would say in the main that people are, um, are very comfortable with the new rules. Um, there were some some changes such as dropping the ball at a different height that probably looked a bit odd initially. Uh, my view on that was always that when something's new, it always does look a bit odd. But but I think if we come back to this in a year and you start to watch people dropping at arm's length, um, sorry, uh, shoulder height and arm's length, people will start to think, oh, that, looks, that mm. looks a bit odd. Um, you know, you go back to the, the previous iteration of dropping where you drop back over, over your shoulder. shoulder. Yeah. yeah. That, that was just the way things were done. Um, yet if you looked at footage of that now, people would think that's just bizarre. Yeah. So I think with things like dropping at knee height, it just always takes a bit of time for people to get it's used to what's, I walk new. through a golf course, you know, most days uh, to catch a train if I'm coming into work, which is probably rare. But <laughs> I do go through there a bit. And I was watching some women the other day and they were all pl- putting with the pin in mm. a whole lot, right, right to the to the very end, maybe until they got into about two feet. But, mm. You're seeing more um, and more of it on the, yeah. pro, on the yeah. pro tours yeah. now. Like it's happening a lot. Mm. People in are short periods. Yeah, 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 yeah. My last question for you about the world handicapping system. There's one more change that's probably relevant, um, but it's only if you really hit a vein of form that uh, belies your handicap. Uh, yeah, if um, if on a day uh, you um, you return a score where you're playing to a handicap that's seven or more better than the handicap um, you had at the start of the round, you'll get this this extra reduction. Um, so if you've played between seven and ten strokes better than your handicap on the day, um, you'll get an extra one stroke reduction to your handicap. If you play um, by more than 10 strokes better than your handicap on the day, you'll get a two-stroke, an extra two-stroke reduction to your handicap. So what what we're really trying to do there, when I say we, um, you know, I've been a part of this world handicap system development, the, the idea is to get a reduction to the handicap that's a bit more proportionate to the um, the score that you've actually returned on the day. That's the Martin Blake rule, that second one. Ten shots better than the handicaps from pretty good golf. That, that is that <laughs> or, is exceptionally good for a while. Or something else. Mm. Um, Difficulty in counting. <laughs> yeah, look, it, it can be new players to the game um, uh, or, or someone who's been through a poor run of form and their handicap goes out. Um, You're a very nice man, Simon. Um, There's some bandits out there who... Just every now and again, set themselves up for a big day, and and, and look, they have this, a big day every now and again. And oh. look, this regulation um, will have an impact mm. on on those handicaps. Mm. But you know, we we spoke earlier about the the current system having this slight bias in it towards the the inconsistent player. This is another um, reform that mm. will serve to to correct that um, that bias towards the, the low uh, the, towards the inconsistent. Part. I'm not sure whether I should give out your email address publicly or not, Simon. No, but I don't, uh, I don't think I will. No, just, don't do just, that. Uh, it'll blow up. But uh, thank you. We always appreciate you coming in here. You always make things far more understandable. I think is the basic yeah, premise. Yeah. So thank you. We appreciate it. I hope the golfers of Australia sort of acknowledge it. Uh, Hazy, always a pleasure to come in. Thank you very much. Simon Magdorsky. Lovely to see you, Simon. After this break, Blakey's going to finally track down. He's going to catch up and run past and interview Australia's 100-year-old golfer, Reg Ballard. 
Hi, I'm Minji Lee, and I'm proud to be an ambassador for MyGolf, Australian golf's national junior program. One of my favorite things about coming back to Australia is seeing all the kids getting into golf. MyGolf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about fun and friendship, learning golf and life skills in a safe and healthy environment. So, if your child is between 5 and 12 years old, be sure to find a program near you at mygolf.org.au. Well, we're all about delivering on our promises at Inside the Ropes. Sometimes they come a little faster than others. But uh, last week we uh, we promised collectively. I, I put myself in this. I'm a team player, Andy. Oh, yeah. Well, it suits you. <laughs> so, I mean, so, of course you are. <laughs> yep, no, you, that, never doubt that about you. You and, you and Blakey uh, promised uh, Reg Ballard, who's a 100-year-old golfer, and uh, I know that I sat listening to the podcast afterwards with bated breath, and we didn't quite manage to produce him. So he didn't front Reggie last week, but we gave him a second chance. Blakey, you went out to catch it's like up. The with Mounties, him. Blakey, isn't he? He's like the <laughs> Canadian Mounties. Always gets his on man the, on the beat. I was. <laughs> You're always yeah. going to. Uh, uh, Reg lives out in Murrumbina in southeastern Melbourne. He plays golf at Rosanna uh, in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. And I don't know about you, but I don't know. He's the only hundred-year-old golfer I know. Oh, yeah, there can't be too many out there. Hundreds of number you don't necessarily want to see have anything to do with a golf course or no. golf at all, isn't it? But well, I had unless you're talking about Reggie, I had a chat to Reg. Uh, have a listen to him because he's he's a great yarn. It's a big welcome to Inside the Ropes to Reg Ballard, the hundred year old golfer from Rosanna Golf Club. Reg, thanks for joining us today. Tell us a bit about your your early golf. I believe you grew up in a a part of Western Victoria called Harrow, and your, da- right. your dad actually had a, a golf course sort of made in the yeah. in the paddock somewhere. Yeah, he uh, leased a small property, and uh, they put down nine holes with the sand scrapes and the uh, jam tins for holes for the holes in the paddocks, and the, the sheep kept only playing in the winter time, and the grass was short, and they used to play nine holes on that course. Yeah. What age were you when you started? Oh, about seven. And they had a little cut-down club that I used to knock around a bit with. I didn't play any competition in either, just, you know, a few visitors had come and that sort of thing, I'd knock around. And the, the equipment now would be a hell of a lot different to, to back then. I think they were hickory cut-downs. Yeah, that's right, old hickory shafts in those days. Did you always love golf uh, from that early age? Oh, every chance I had to, to play, I, I played. I didn't play a lot before the, before the war, but, uh, as you know, I couldn't afford it, really. But then, uh, after the war, I, I joined uh, the Trove for a while, but in, in the late 40s, but then I, I, I only about four or five years, but then I, you know, with work and that sort of thing, I had to give it away. How often do you play nowadays, and how well can you play? I believe you're off about 30 handicap or 31, well, and you're, 30 you're a legend, legend at Rosanna, of course. Good, like any golfer, I have my days. I have good days and bad days. And I believe you had 39 points not so uh, long a ago. A couple of days ago, a couple of, couple of weeks ago, yes. And how often do you play, roughly? Well, three days a week if I can. Wow. If, and if the weather's good. Tuesday, they have a, they have a competition on Tuesday. The competition on Thursday and the competition on Saturday. And I was reading the Golf Victoria magazine article, which I'd commend to our listeners, by the way, by Brian Meldrum, but he said that you prefer to walk. You don't like to go in a car. Oh, well, I, I did, but I, I can't walk it now. They've, 
the tub have been very good and give me the use of a cart now. Like I can't walk it now. I had a bit of trouble with my leg and skin cancer and in and out of hospital for a time and that stopped me a bit so I, but I use a cart now. You've had a couple of interruptions to your golf, uh, and one of those was a very serious one. You, you were one of the rats of Tobruk. Yes. Yeah, right. uh, tell us a bit about the siege of Tobruk. It went on for about six months, from six, what, what I understand. Yeah, never six months. And the Rommel and the Germans were, yeah. were trying to take that port from the Allied troops, and you were part of that, weren't That's you? That's right, yeah. yeah. And uh, we, uh, we, we held it for six months. Yeah, well, it was... Not the ninth division, it was. It was considered to be a bit of a turning point in the war, wasn't it? Because well, it the was. Germans hadn't been, been defeated in, right. in anything yeah. at that time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of people were lost and injured in that, that well, time. Uh, you know, were, were, you ever, yeah. were you ever close to seeing the end of the road there? I was at one stage, but generally speaking, I was, I was in the front line. I was a, I was a signaller, and I, I've had a pretty, pretty easy time, really. You think of it? Relatively, we, 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 relatively speaking. We were in the front line a lot. So after the war you came back, you joined Rosanna 50 years ago. That's um, right. uh, what do you like about that club and that course? Oh, it's just... Well, it, it, uh, they moved from... The, in 1963, they moved the course. It used to be near the Rosanna station, the old course, and... Uh, they, they moved it to where it is now, and uh, I, I joined in 1967, and it had been going about three years. And it was just it's really great. It's a great course, and, and a great mob of chaps. Why do you love it so much? What is it about golf that you... Oh, well, golf, you know, anybody who plays golf, if you play it, you've got to love it, I think. And I just love the game. And, of course, the, uh, the kick of comradeship, you know, all the chaps you meet, and it's, it's really good. Do you think it's helped keep you going as long as you had? Because you turned 100 uh, in April this year. I think you got the telegram from the Queen or yeah. a note from the Queen and yeah. a message from the Prime Minister. Yeah. You've had some celebrity. Uh, do you think golf has sort of... Has it actually kept you going? Oh, certainly. I think if any... any uh, uh, but it takes on a lot of sport... Golf particularly because it's an individual sport and you're out in the fresh air and you look forward to it. You know, I I look forward to each. I'm disappointed if the weather's too good and I can't go now. And it's just win, win, lose or draw. It's just a a great pastime. No thoughts of retirement? No thoughts of retirement at all? You'll keep playing? Oh, well, you can't. If it gets too hot, I can't play. Or too cold. Yeah. You've got to have reasonable weather. Now, I used to play at all weathers years ago. Of course. <laughs> Not now. Well, Rich, you're an absolute inspiration to golfers. I think uh, a lot of our listeners today will appreciate what, what you've got to say about the yeah. game. We call it a game for life, and it really is for you. Well, some, of the, some of the young blokes today taking a bit too much for granted. They don't realise how lucky they are. The work that we older ones put into the building the courses... And, yeah. uh, and, the, and the work that the committees have put into keeping them going. Yeah. And uh, I think, think quite a lot of the young blokes take it a bit too casually now. They mm. don't seem to. Uh, but still, listen, if they uh, settle down a bit, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a great, great, great thing. Thank you very much for joining us, Reg Ballard.
good. Well, fantastic to hear from from Reg there, Blake. He, he must have been a, a delight. It was great, Hazy. Uh, as I said to you earlier, he uh, he offered me a beer early up. It's only about three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, he's in great nick. He's in great nick. He drives the car over uh, three times a week. He wants to play. He was telling me after I turned the the tape off that um, you know he loves the handicap system because he you know he's there. He's always playing with younger people, obviously, and in some cases some good players. And you know they've got to give him a couple of shots, a hole sort of thing. So. He just loves the game, and look, we call it a game for life, don't we, Hazy? And uh, absolutely. Actually, if any of our listeners know of any similar stories, to that I'd love to know around Australia. Are there any other hundred-year-old no. golfers? I think uh, Simon Magdulski said to us as we as he left before that there's someone in Sydney uh, approaching. who's apparently approaching approaching the ton, so to speak. So let us know. Just contact us through Golf Australia. How would they contact us, Hazy? Just go to the, you know ring the switchboard or. Yeah, no, Golf I think Australia, I will leave the switchboard or... operators alone. Maybe just send <laughs> um, send an email to info at golf.org.au. Info at golf.org.au. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd love to hear any of those way. stories because, uh, you know, it's just great to see people, you know. And he said to me, look, he's been getting the cart, which, you know, you heard on the interview, but he said, oh, when, when I turned it off, he said, oh, I might, you know, my leg's coming a bit better. I might just go out and walk the next couple of weeks. So nice. he's phenomenal. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, Andy, before you uh, went rogue in the first yeah, segment, we were that. going to talk about uh, the US PGA <laughs> yes. Championship. Do you want to sort of right the ship here a little bit? Well, yeah. I mean, do we? I think it's we're duty bound because we like um, tipping, don't we, in Australia? We like to be able to tip one every now and again and suggest um, and, and trumpet to the world if, in fact, on the rare occasion you get one right that <laughs> the week after I tip this. Yeah. So should we just go around the table? I mean, we're all looking forward to the test. We know the the golf course sets itself up as a brute, you know, yeah. and and it's you the know Tiger's it's already this, there. Yeah, so he's got the he's got the boat parked up in Long Island somewhere, and he's he's already been practicing. Well, the world has uh, turned so quickly on Tiger. Mm. Like, it, it, just general sports fans, are, well, Tiger he'll win, he'll win. Of course, Tiger will win. Like that, it's just this now. Now that he's back, um, there's just this assumption that well, he'll just carry on where he was. 10, 15 years ago. 32-year-old. And, and I'm not start sure winning everything. Right, you know? Well, it'll be remarkable if he does. I mean... I he, think the other... Pl- you know, the, the, in his glory days, um, he was miles ahead of everyone. Now, it seems to me that he's got back to where the Dustin Johnsons and the Molinaris yeah. are. So, yeah. um, I fancy Molinari this week. So, yeah. I, I th- he should have won the Masters. Yeah. And he's been playing brilliantly for a long period of time. And I just... I know it's a tough, long course, but you know I think that that he'll he'll go pretty close. I find it very hard to make a case where Brooks Kepka isn't in the photo yeah. finish. Mm. So you know I, I made that mistake last year a couple of times, and he he made an idiot out of me. He showed flashes of really good form at Trinity Forest on the PGA Tour uh, the week just gone. Um, I think he's going to win. Obviously, we're barracking for the Australians. Uh, I fancy Tony Finau as well. Okay. Um, Who's don't the best ask of the exactly why. Who's your best Aussie? Um, well, I would have said Mark Leishman, but the back injury forced his very, very late withdrawal mm. at, uh, at the Byron Nelson. So we can only assume that it was precautionary and that he'll rock up in good form. I know he had a charity day for his Begin Again Foundation only a couple of days before that, so he can't be too savage, um, but always wary of guys carrying injuries mm. into big events where there's pressure and the rounds are long and heaven forbid he gets paired with JB Holmes at some stage. He mm. could be out there for seven hours. So, uh, look, I'm 
Sorry, long answer. Blakey, Cameron Smith. Best Aussie. I'll say Scotty. Best Aussie. Stri- yeah. He's driving the ball. Tita Green, he's, he's in the sort of nick you need to be in to contend. Um, and then we know we don't have to say the next part of the equation, do we? You know, But I yeah. think he'll, if he'll hit enough fairways. He'll hit it long enough. Yeah. And he's good enough with his long irons. I think I said at the start of the year, as one of our pr- predictions coming into 2019, that the four majors would, would be won by non-Americans. So I'm already out uh, of that one. <laughs> so I'm just going to tip Americans from now on. Mm-hmm. Completely flipped. Fowler, and, and this is what I'm also going to do. I'm going to keep tipping Ricky Fowler to win a major because I think he will. And I'm going to tip Xander Shawfly um, to be in the mix in every mm-hmm. major championship he plays in now. Is that so, because you like saying Xander I like Xander Shawfly. Uh, I like saying it. Mm-hmm. I like the way it looks on paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like the way he plays golf. I like everything about Xander Shaw. We had Dave Michaluzzi in before. I've got a feeling that there's some, in terms of the growth and the emergence and the building blocks and getting and doing it sensibly, I feel like um, Shawfly's gone about it sensibly. Have you seen him in person? Not very big. He's he's your so uh, he's your uh, size. Well, power, powerful, but you a know, unit. Yeah, 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 a unit. Yeah, <laughs> he gets it a long way, doesn't he? He does. He's just he, a good player. He's yeah. a good golfer. Like he's, oh, he's got fantastic. an all you know all round game. So yeah. Um, the setup will be interesting because we obviously know it's it's renowned as a brute of a course, but this is a PGA, not a US Open. So they've mm. had two US Opens there, at which the first one, 2002, Tiger was the only player who shot under par. That's how tough it was. The fairways are very narrow. The PGA of America, which is different to the PGA Tour, they're, go- they're not going to do that. So. Well, no, no. What do you think about 20 club pros? Uh, it's, a, it's the thing that should render it. Um, non-major, incapable of being a major championship. Yeah. Mm. If they want to persist with this, quite seriously, it's a lovely novelty, and of course it's theirs to do with what they will, but if they want to persist with it, if you're well, being fair dinkum. What's the difference between that and Augusta inviting uh, past, know, past winners. winners and yeah, amateurs, well, good amateurs? What's the difference? Uh, uh, That's a good question, Blakey. Well, mm. past winners, that is, there's something lovely about that. You wish some of the I, past I winners, it, yeah. yeah but you wish some of them were a bit the well. That's you wish some of them were self-aware enough to just say thank you, but no thanks, not anymore. Well, I think if they're not Augusta, just, just kind of say it to them. Yeah, uh, yeah. eventually, eventually. But yeah. they're never going to do that to Jack as long as, or would never have done it to Jack. They let Jack run yeah, his own race. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, might. it's a fair question. I think it's a yeah. reasonable question. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The twenty club pros. Well, yeah. I like to see talk about this as the. Best field in golf all year, which is amazing to me. I I, I don't see it that way. Mm. I like to think that the U.S. Open or the British Open, mm. which both have exhaustive qualification processes, if you're good enough to be a professional golfer, you can get to that field. Mm. I agree with that. Uh, and you know, you're running into this, into those tournaments, presumably in really good form. Whereas you could be a club pro, have a couple of good weeks, and just roll in there against your mates and somehow get a spot here. So mm. I don't want to run them down. They're good golfers, but they don't commit the time to their honing their own game that the big guys do, the touring pros do. So I, I think we've got 20 guys out there. I think twice, um, the last two years, there's only been one make the cut of the mm. 20 each time. So I don't, I'm not sure what the future is. Well, strap yourself in because if Tiger shoots, you know, 68, 67 the first two days, golf's going to be on the back pages again. It really it? will. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, that's the reality, and that's what you know. The chase for Nicholas's record is back it's on. Back that, on. That's, it is. That's know, the reality. Yeah. And it yeah. feels like he's he's all in again. Like it's not. It it feels like the shift has happened. Hmm. That that the the challenge was to get back and and contend and compete again. Well, that minds that mindset has changed with him. I think it's there's no longer that. It's now I want to I want to beat up on these guys again now and I'll start when he's going to do it differently. Mm. Like he's clearly going to do it with a smile on his face and be more human about yeah. the experience than he was in the past. But he's still a beast when it comes to competing. Like we and, know that, and we just keep referring back to his uh, commitment to the Presidents Cup, where he clearly wants to be a playing awesome. playing captain now. So he's, he's got some long term goals in mind. Obviously, he's mm. not just going to come and go with one more. Green jacket because he never ever tees it up without thinking that he can win. No, ever, never no. once in his life. Now, from one of the great tournaments in the world to well, one of the great amateur tournaments in Australia. You guys called me up last week. I was standing on the fairways at the time of Royal Hobart um, for the Fancy. women's uh, Australian Interstate Series, mm-hmm. and the men's was at Tasmania Golf Club. Just a fantastic week down there, and uh, congratulations. Just running through a couple of results. New South Wales women were awesome. In the final, especially, they had a scare early, lost to Victoria in the first round, fought their way back, got to the top of the ladder, and Queensland played really well in the final, but New South Wales just went nuts. Five and a half to a half was the final score, and some of the scores were extraordinary. Grace Kim in the last round was 30, the last day was 36 holes, the last preliminary round, and the final, uh, she played, I want to say, 27 holes. So she finished her matches at 13 and 14, and I think she was 13 under That's in that time. So you're asking me about what we're watching, what I was seeing. Mm. Bloody good golf is mm. the answer. It's a hell of a uh, team with Dowie Choi in there uh, as well. Dowie's, Steph Dowie was unbeaten through the week for New South Wales at number one, which is always a phenomenal effort. Um, Steffi Vogel um, for Victoria playing down the order was also undefeated, the two women who went through the series unbeaten. So congrats to New South Wales. Not only great golfers, they're really fun and bubbly group of young women, so I'm fully uh, in their camp. Uh, the men's was a totally different story. Yeah, there was controversy. A of, there was a bit of controversy, Andy. I'm not sure if you're across no, it or no, not. No, explain it to me. Uh, this is extraordinary. Yeah, it was extraordinary. New South Wales was, um, by all measure the best team through the week and it came to the final morning which is the Friday morning for the men at Tasmania Golf Club with Tasmania and Victoria basically having a preliminary final. The winner of their match on Friday morning was going to be in the final against New South Wales which had already qualified. Everyone just assumed that New South Wales would be the number one seat. What ended up happening was Victoria and Tasmania just as New South Wales and Tasmania the day before played out a really tense match and the big state got on top in the final analysis, Victoria won, I think, four and a half, two and a half uh, out of the seven matches. And, okay, they're in the final. Well, lo and behold, Western Australia and New South Wales are, uh, are locking horns in the other one of the other preliminary matches. And New South Wales, um, well, they played out of order. They, they didn't have their normal order. They, they, they jiggled it around a little bit. And they got pantsed by Western Australia. So to the tune of, I think, five and a half to one and a half. Uh, and what happened was that that enabled a tie in contest one. So New South Wales and Victoria had both lost one contest for the week. Mm-hmm. The next tiebreaker uh, decision goes to matches, individual matches one, mm-hmm. as Blakey says. Well, I can't believe this, but Hayden Barron, the number one for Western Australia, in the final match on the final hole, 
made a birdie on the par, t- par 318th at Tasmania Golf Club to beat Josh Armstrong, as it was in number one slot, gave Western Australia the win, gave him the win one up over Josh Armstrong, and it gave Victoria the same number of yeah, points. Okay, yeah. as, and it all happened like bang, bang, right in a hurry, right at the end. No, none of the Victorians knew when they went out to start their final, when the final, it happened really quickly. The next tiebreaker is matches one at number one position through the week. And it was three for Victoria and two and a half for New South Wales. Like it had come down to the barest of margins. So they went out knowing that if it was a 4-4 tie, Victoria had the, the tiebreaker. And lo and behold, a 4-4 tie. And the best team all week, which was New South Wales, got dudded by their, I don't know, I don't want to put the wrong word on it, but their... You want to say mis- mismanagement? Well, no, I don't want to say that, but um, by not going at 100% on Friday morning. No, I don't want to... Den- I don't, I'm not no, no, belittling that- Western Australia's achievement or any of the individual performances, but they played out of order and they probably weren't fully cranked up to their potential and, yeah, paid the ultimate wow. price because... In the final, so three in a row for the Vicks. Three in a row for the Victoria. Uh, five out of the past six. The boys were chuffed. Uh, the, Vic, the the big V because they knew by that stage they knew they'd qualified first. They were the best team. Um, they're so the rules. They're the rules, yeah. and um, you know there was a lot of controversy. Uh, really knew to, who who was actually on top of all this, Hazy? Because uh, I spoke to Darren Cole, a Victorian coach, this morning about it, and um, he said that when they started, the Victorians, the first. Two guys hit off number eight and number seven, and they thought that they had to get four and a half points. They had to get actually win the tie, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the yeah, final. Them, to, yeah, yeah. That, that a half wouldn't be good enough. Well, and uh, then they got told that it was actually they were the number one seed. They didn't even know when they started. So there's two reason, two fold reason for me to explain what I'm about to say is that those first couple of matches in the final go off early because they're running out of daylight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know they wouldn't have known what Josh Armstrong yeah, right. and Hayden Barron were doing back in the WA New South Wales match, but. Uh, the WA, the New South Wales boys knew when they went out there. They they knew that they'd just blown their statistical advantage over Victoria. So, well, of course, it wouldn't have mattered if they won the match. But they no, that's right. Know, it was a really good match. It was a fantastic match. Yeah. Some unbelievable performances. I know that you had a couple on the Victorian side, Blakey. Before you tell me that, um, I want to pay tribute to Blake Windred, who played number one for New South Wales. And aside from Dave Michaluzzi, the two of them are the best two amateurs at the moment by the world rankings in Australia and by evidence as well. Hayden Barrett won five out of six at number one for WA, which was awesome, by the way. Blake Windred, I watched golf in the final against Blake Collier for Victoria. It was next level. It was as good as you'll see anywhere on any course. He said afterwards, felt like I was playing PlayStation. He was six yeah, right. under or something through 12. Yeah, six under through uh, 13, and he had a triple, uh, three putt on one hole, which cost him a bogey. But he had an eagle here. He chipped in there. It was just, you know, you're just watching something special. And I watched something special with Blake Windred play the other day. It mm. was just one of those things I won't forget. Tell me about Kyle Michelle, Hazy, because I believe that he was something around – that's his Victoria – played at number three and number two Victoria. I believe he's about 36 under for his matches. You asked us about what we're that's watching. Um, yeah, well, that's right. We did, yeah. So 36 under Kyle Michelle for yeah. uh, six prelims and the final seven rounds, 36 under around Tasmania Golf Club. Um, yeah, I think those numbers you know, say everything. Oh, and, and the it, local members who, they, they can't believe a kid's done that. No, it's true. Yeah. It's very true. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, you know, it's off the it's off Broadway, that tournament. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. But it's, as I said on Twitter and stuff, it's one of my favourite weeks. It's where you see those new guys coming mm. up 
Uh, Dave Michaluzzi's and Zach Murray's have been there the last couple of years. Lucas Herbert. Min Whitley. Min Whitley. All these guys are now becoming, you know, Travis Smythe and Harrison Endicott. They've all won it with their respective states, except for Min Whitley, in the last three or four years. Awesome golf. Just really pure. Yeah. That's correct. Um, what else have we got kicking around, boys? I, I know Peter that- Peter Cook won the uh, PNG Open over the weekend. I don't know a lot about him. He's a South Australian. It was his first win on the Australasian PGA Tour, so he's got a ticket for the next couple of years. Been around for a while, I think. It was interesting to see. It's a, it's, it's an interesting tournament for a lot of players who they get, it gives them – there's a lot of guys there who get a chance, don't they? Like it's The depth of the field isn't no. – it's lacking, you know, like global sort of star power, obviously, but it gives – a lot of the guys teeing it up in that tournament a real chance to get, um, you know, get something going. Um, and Peter Cook clearly was mm. the ultimate beneficiary of that. Um, got no, other than watching the scores roll out on whatever mobile device you might, it's hard, it was hard to get much information. Difficult. Difficult. It yeah. was, wasn't it? You know, uh, one who did get a bit of a mention, Hazy, was Matty Jones, who, former Australian Open well. champion, who finished tied fifth in the Byron Nelson. Matty uh, kind of got his status back uh, this year, at the end of last year, for this season, and he's playing really well. <sighs> he is. He lost his um, full rights, and he's up to 89th, having only playing with partial rights. He's up to 89th on the FedEx Cup points, which means he's basically got a hand on a full card again for next year already, which is fantastic because it's hard to see him losing another 30-odd places um, halfway through the year. So full credit to Matty Jones. And uh, on that uh, same note, and um, Blakey, it was good to see Curtis Luck bank another little check behind him. Cam Davis and 43rd. Curtis Luck. Yeah, but Cam Davis tied 35th. Curtis yeah. Luck's starting to make some inroads towards the top 125 as well. Yeah, he so. soon needs to get going, doesn't he? He does. He does. But I think he's just... Showing the signs, he spoke to us last year about you know feeling at home, and I reckon he's just starting to show signs of um, feeling that you know he belongs mm. on the big tour uh, across the pond on the European tour. I guess the British Masters has really come on a bit as a tournament. Good, the last oh, it's few a years. great tournament, yeah, and a great. That didn't Hillside Golf Club look magnificent? Absolutely, it did. And the greens weren't there. Was, they had some issues. They had some weather issues leading into the tournament. I think they might have, and the greens weren't pure. Um, sort of they're a bit bumpy and a cause of sort of some consternation for for some players in the field early. But um, those who can kind of put those things out of their mind and just putt through uh, a bump here or a hump there um, were the ones that started to kind of shine a little bit towards the end and pretty tight finish towards the end and um, pretty dramatic also at the end. So Good player, Marcus Kinholt, is He's a good he? player, yeah, yeah. Matt Wallace, he, he's got... It's got a couple of internal. For all, for, he obviously last year won a lot, and he's won a lot in a short period of time. But he's just got a couple of every now and again. The, he sees the red mist, I reckon. This bloke, <laughs> and he was. I think he's only he's only finished about two back. And for a lot of the tournament, you thought, oh, he's going to take a power of beating this bloke because he doesn't shy away from being at that end of a leaderboard. But it's worth keeping an eye on him to see how he deals with. Um, Little challenges that come his way mid-round from time to time. So Dimi Papadanos, Hazy, tied 15th. He was right up near the lead after, I think, one or two rounds. That's a good result for him. It is. He's pushing along nicely. Um, Lucas Herbert had his first start for ages. He's been having a break and finished tied 35th, which I thought was 
One of Pretty his handy. was his second round. One of his rounds, he was all over the shop. He was having doubles and yeah. First I think round. he had an eight in his first round. Yeah, and he somehow yeah. managed to pull it together. Oh, credit to him because you know the wheels are shaky early, and he managed to regroup and. Um, variously throughout the tournament, he strung together some pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, um, there's a bit of too much of the other, but um, <laughs> we all we know what he's like. I mean, he can he's going to make he's going to make scores. Yeah, you're not going to play a lot of par golf, Lucas. No. And he closed with a 69. He's on his mm. way across to play on Long Island in the USPGA. So he tied with Scotty Hand Blakey uh, mm. at 35th, and Jason Scrivener was the other other Aussie who made the cut. We we touch we touch base a lot about the FedEx Cup. Maybe just a quick little rundown on the, some of these key guys in, mm. in the terms of the race to Dubai rankings. Scott Hen, courtesy of his win earlier on, is the best-placed Aussie. He's at 15th. Um, Jason Scrivener, as I test my eyes in the fading light of this studio. So we're studio, looking at top 110 here. Top 110. Yeah. He's 34th. Uh, Min Woo Lee is the interesting one. 57th, but running out of invitations. We'll have to figure out the logistics of that very soon. But 57th as we speak, an affiliate member. Wade Ormsby at 73rd. Uh, and Lucas Herbert is in the frame again. Haven't played too many tournaments, but is now 98th. Mm. So as they sort of chase down later in the year uh, towards mm. that 110. So have you heard anything about Min Woo Lee and what starts he might get? He's obviously not a member of the tour. Um, oh, that's a mission for next week. Yeah. That's my reg for next week. Good. Just, right. just looking at it. You know, it's difficult to to work it out, Andy, because they've changed the system. So you can't kind of look at the points from last year. And normally, you would just look at the 110th player from last year and and kind of draw a line from that. But they've changed it. So uh, I believe Minwoo is very close, from what I understand, to to playing himself into a European ticket for next year. Yeah, I think but, he's very close too. But I'm not sure exactly how close. So we we spoke, we touched base with Dave Michaluzzi before, who was playing in the uh, the. Diamond Cup on the Japanese tour. Matt Griffin was again exemplary, a best Australian, tied 16th. Uh, Won Jun Lee tied 22nd. Mikaluzzi's 27th alongside Brad Kennedy. Brendan Jones uh, and Adam Bland also made the cut. Um, the bigger news in Japan now this week, Andy, was uh, our girl, Karis Davidson, mm. made an eagle on the last hole to vault up to a career best finish as I turn the page here. Rolled up to career best finish of tied sixth, and there's only you know 15 months into a professional Brilliant. career. Right. So she's going really well. Uh, any other tournaments? We, oh, Jamie Arnold on the web.com tour and Brett Coletta both made the cut without doing anything sensational. Um, PGA Tour China just continues to be a great spot for Australia. Kevin Yuan, we mentioned before, was fifth, starting to show some form. Max McArdle, Tim Stewart, and Chris Wood also uh, going nicely and making the cut. Blakey, anything else you any, want to bring any to the general table? business? Andy, we're allowed to mash potato. Yeah. What are you, are you, have, you got, have you got audio or no? No, these, oh, no. Oh, I did hear this. Oh, these, honestly, there's this thing that's going on now. It's, thankfully, it's consigned to the US PJ Tour amongst their lunatics, some of their lunatic supporters. But it happened to Jordan Spieth this week. Hit but, their drive. As soon as the ball leaves a club face off the tee, some idiot stands there and just screams out mashed potato. At full throttle. Like screams uh, it the, out. The look that Spieth gave that guy would have killed him at 10 metres. <laughs> he was furious. I just don't understand. What would happen you... in the world of Mar if, if, if there oh, was Mar law well, I'm, uh, well, you'd have – well, the bike would be chucked out. That would just be the simple solution to the whole thing. But I don't know. You'd, you'd like some – you'd like the hound from Game of Thrones <laughs> to just pop out from behind a tree 
and just just bop the bloke on the nose, hazy, in like the that. old fashioned way, you know. But we don't encourage that sort of behaviour no, no, anymore, do we? You know. But, you know. So the Something, nor- just, just stop it. Like, what do people? I don't stop understand what people are doing this stuff. So stop the Northern Irish Open, which is a challenge tour event. Uh, later on this year is going to be called something completely different, and I haven't got it written down. The ISPS Hander World Invitational. Okay, is this was this on your list as well? I'm glad. So it's the on good yours. thing, Andy, is mm-hmm. this tournament is going to be a men's and women's tournament with equal prize money for the first time. Have you heard that idea before? It's a great idea. <laughs> I wonder where the what, Vic Open oh, is spawning oh, all these uh, different events. There was one, uh, I think, in America last year as well, wasn't there? But where are they um, playing it? Do we know? They're playing it at the Galgorn Spa and Golf Resort. Apologies for my Irish pronunciation. And the Massarine Golf Club. I think we need to be over there to cover this. It's actually a really almost identical format to the Vic Open with two, two cuts, a third round cut as well. So um, it's great. So they've got, a, as Blakey says, the challenge tour, but they're going to invite women from all around the world, mm. um, not specifically you know, LET players. They're going to invite anyone who wants to be part of it. So it'll be really Interesting again to see who takes up the mm. opportunity to play for equal prize money. Just um, wanted to quickly mention the Jared Lyle book, which Hazy and I have done uh, in uh, consultation with the late great Jared. Uh, it's coming out in August. I just wanted to remind people of that. It's it's good. It's really a terrific story. We started it uh, before he got sick the last time. We, we were at it for a year or so. Then the family wanted to go ahead and do it, so it's coming out posthumously. It's his autobiography with help from Hazy and I. In August. So it's timed for Father's Day. Oh, Beautiful. I can't wait. Yeah. So, yep. And for those who get information from the either Golf Australia newsletter or any of the PGA channels, you'll hear something called hashtag doing it for Jared, which is going to be announced in the next day or so. Um, it's going to be all clubs asked to have a comp day um, during August and donate the money to Challenge, which I think is a really simple solution and a great way to honour a great man and all the work that he was had dear to his heart. And just a quick reminder before we wrap up, uh, a special offer from KO Sports, the new digital streaming service, multiple sports, Andy. I love the idea of it. Sports all over the joint. You get to choose what Major League Baseball game you want to watch. And in fact, yeah, I think I think you do have that kind of access on KO. I stand to be corrected, but you get to choose whatever match you want to watch, whatever game you want to watch. Which So you can actually click on the one that you want. Well, the Red Sox is the one. Why would you want to watch anyone else? What about oh, Liverpool? Well... There's been a lot of that going on in my house in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Any darts? Way too – no, I've been re- relatively restrained. Waking up the kids every now and again with a scream here and a – 180. <laughs> no, just a reminder. Oh, you mean darts on cable? Yeah, I don't mean, no, you, having a, I don't mean you having no, a nervous no, throwing smoke. Throwing darts at the TV. Yeah. No, 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 no. 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 Uh, just a reminder for anyone who's got a Golf Australia handicap, um, log on uh, in the next day or two to – golf.org.au, you'll see by punching in your handicap to check where wherever you normally go to check your handicap, that page there, you'll see an offer, five bucks to join KO Sports for a month. You'll be able to see uh, the US PGA Championship and the US Open from Pebble Beach in June, all for that same five bucks. Uh, if you haven't got Fox now, it's a great way to see the major championships, which aren't on free-to-air television, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, take that opportunity up for five bucks. You can sit and watch... Um, Eight spectacular rounds of golf plus a whole lot more sports. Mad if you don't. So Mad if you don't. Take it up. If you don't like it, you can ditch it after a month. But for oh. five bucks, why wouldn't you? Exactly right. Mari, you've been a 
superstar except for derailing us in the first uh, first. <laughs> it's segment. a three-segment show, Hazy. I don't know why you're trying to make it a four-segment show. Someone had to take the reins on this <laughs> one. Ego's bouncing around this room. Oh, I'm not going to take over myself. <laughs> Blake, well, you might have to, Blakey. You, you want to have a crack a at this? neutrality. Do you want to have a crack no, at this? No, not particularly. Uh, <laughs> well, you've been exceptional. Thanks for getting Reggie for us. No problem. Yeah, Good well on you, boys. And we'll come back next week and do it all again.